Hello and welcome to the Impact Podcast from us at Impact Wales. We're Finn and Jane and every week we bring you the very best professional learning to help make an impact in your school. Our guest today is Ian Timbrell, who's Deputy Head in Cumbach in Aberdeer. Welcome, Ian. We're really delighted to have you here with us today. And I know this podcast, we're going to talk everything completely out of my comfort zone um, because we're going to talk about grammar. We are. So... To start us off, Ian, can, can you first tell us a little bit about why have we invited you on to talk about grammar? Because that's that's really important. And can you tell us a little bit about kind of what your journey has been to get to this point? Yeah, of course. I mean, I um, was, you know, did not consider myself a grammar expert at all. And I think we've had conversations about we still don't, you know. Um, but I, I struggled with literacy in school myself. Um, you know, I, I found literacy was taught in a very dry way, found it very difficult, you know. Um, and I remember going to teach training and thinking, oh, they'll teach me how to do grammar and how to write and things. And that didn't happen. And I remember going to courses all throughout my entire teaching career, hoping someone would teach me how to write, let alone how to teach writing. And it just never happened. Um, and then a few years ago, I, I started my master's in education and, and didn't really have a clue what my focus was going to be at the beginning you know it's very very open um and then I happened to be working with Helen Bowen in school on our literacy journey and, and it was very very successful but there was one day that stuck out from the middle and that was the grammar day where people would come up to me going what what do I do on that day what what do I do for the grammar day and I didn't have the answers and so I thought you know what this is something we need to look at as a school and it, I just started looking to it and all of a sudden I became a little bit obsessed with grammar uh, and I'm an absolute grammar geek now um, because it is really fascinating um, and I ended up writing my uh, master's dissertation on, on the teaching grammar across English speaking schools um, and so since that time I've started supporting schools with their grammar uh, and in my own school we've been on an incredible grammar journey uh, where we've gone from staff not being confident at all teaching it to really confident teaching it and more confident with the grammar themselves as well. Yeah, and I think that's grammar is one of those things that kind of um, people either seem to love it or be terrified of it, don't they? Yeah, well, I think we've been talking before, and I know in previous podcasts, been with that particularly of our age going back to school it was grammar lessons were very, very formal if they were there at all. And like you said, it was very dry. And yeah. you know, I can remember the odd grammar lesson, but rules and everything around grammar for me is, is very much, you don't think about it. You just do it, do it. You do it. It's <laughs> yeah. Why. And that's it. Grammar. Yeah. Grammar is innate in us. But the moment you start to talk about it, it becomes very complicated and, and all the terminology really, I think that's maybe one reason why people avoid it is because the terminology is quite daunting. There's so much of it. And yet, you know, it is the basics of our language. You know, it's, it's a really bizarre thing. And, and that's the point, isn't it? And that's why mm. we wanted to get you on to talk about it because grammar is the kind of the root unit of language. Mm -hmm. And if we don't understand grammar, how can we use language effectively? And I think that's that's why we wanted to get you on because you your research to a certain extent was, was about that, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was really fascinating when I started my research. I think that the biggest thing at the beginning is I found actually how little research there was in, with grammar and compared to sort of other parts of, of literacy, you know, compared to reading and writing as a whole and oracy, there was very little on grammar. There was nothing in Wales. I couldn't find a single piece of research from Wales, which is very worrying, 
you know. Yeah. Um, and um, but yeah, so it's sort of my research took me back to the 1970s um, with uh, a gentleman uh, Warwick Ellie, who produced a piece of research in New Zealand about how teaching grammar has no impact on teaching literacy. Uh, and that's what he did. And but what when you actually unpick his uh, article, first of all, it was just in one school. Uh, which if it was done in a journal article now would never be published yeah but also what he does not acknowledge in it at all is that they were very there was very insular lessons you know you have your grammar on a friday there's nothing to do with the rest of the week but you have your grammar on a friday um and, and unfortunately for for all of us really the research at this time which was similar to that had an enormous impact and ended up schools across the english-speaking world abandoned teaching grammar um, I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't think of going to a French lesson about learning the grammar or even a Welsh lesson. And yet with our own language, we're so worried about um, teaching it. And, and that's a real shame. And we're now in this awful situation where we've got a generation of teachers who've never been taught grammar. So they don't know how to teach yeah. grammar. Um, and, and I think that, know, that's, that's, yeah. that's that's such an important point, because when we're talking about grammar being terrifying for some people, we are actually talking about the people in schools in Wales who are supposed to be the experts and then they actually yeah. might be in exactly the same time because I mean I'm a, a former secondary English teacher and uh, alongside a lot of my colleagues um, had did a literature based degree I, I think I was quite lucky because I did linguistics as a kind of portion of what I was doing so I I had a little bit of the language element of it mm. but most secondary English teachers will only have done literature, which is a totally different thing to doing yeah. a language degree. You know, it's not the same at all as doing, say, French language degree. And mm. I think that has led to a lot of schools not having actually any expertise in school at all. Yeah. And it is, I think it's led as well to the type of activities where it's worksheet based or you get out the Collins textbook. You know, which, you know, just doesn't work. It doesn't teach the children how to use the grammar and they don't put it. You know, we know with all of the subjects and all of the areas, we talk about putting things into a context, mm. you know, with maths and that. And that's the same with grammar. And fortunately, this research in the 1970s was based on work that wasn't in a context. And um, what is, you know, promising is, is there's a lot of research going on at the moment by Julia Dockrell, Deborah Myhill, um, Ruth Newman, which is showing that actually when you do teach grammar in the right way, it has a massive impact. And, and a lot of the data I looked at in my dissertation showed that when you teach it right, it can really raise the whole literacy level. Um, so there's definitely something here that we need to do more of, because I don't know about you, but ever since I started teaching, we've all talked about raising standards in grammar and teach yes, yeah. in standards in writing. Yes. Uh, and, and yet not once have I heard anyone talk about raising standards in grammar. Yeah. Uh, yes. And actually the two are intrinsically linked. It's, you know, it's really but important. It's, but it's also bringing the passion that you clearly bring to, to, to the teaching of grammar as well. That, yeah. That is really important because it's, you know, play with the words, you know, Phil and I quite often talk about, you know, well, you know, you know what I'm like with, with English, Finn. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm on the math side. You know, things like I often say to you, Finn, is it, which practice is it? With a C yeah, or with an S, yeah, you know, yeah. when do I use which one? Then you, you usually give me an explanation. I think, right, okay. <laughs> I know it's that because it just, because it looks right. But yeah. it's, you've got the passion. And I think that's something that we've got to be able to instill in, in, in the teaching of grammar right across Absolutely. lessons as well. So, so why would, why would it be a good idea for teachers to actively teach, explicitly teach grammar. That, that's kind of the point. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and it's a big piece of research we've done recently in Australia 
um, where they looked at um, scores. So they do uh, huge uh, sort of grammar tests across Australia. Um, and they looked at it and what they found was where children's grammar was higher and where their grammar improved, their overall writing levels improved massively. Um, you know, there is this intrinsic link. Uh, and if you think about it, it's the building blocks. You would never teach addition in maths without teaching place value first. And yet we're expecting these children to write massive passages without being able to construct a sentence or even justify to me, why have you used that sentence? Why have you used that word? You know, that the grammar, they are, it is the building box of literacy. And this is it. When you're writing for effect, and that mm. is, you know, th that's a term that is used in the, um, the new curriculum for Wales, but in our current curriculum as well, this writing for effect. So you're choosing a structure of language that will create a feeling or an emotion or a response in the reader. So you're making choices about whether you use a simple sentence, whether you use yeah. two word sentence, whether you use a complex sentence that has a, a, um, an additional clause in it. You know, all of these different structures, children are having to make choices about what works in a current situation. And like you say, it, it's if you don't understand what options are there, Yeah then how can you make those choices? And, and you know, it's, there is this thing, you know, recently with some websites, they produced all these pyramids of punctuation and sentences. And they, the more advanced in inverted commas, the better. And it's not, you know, a prime example is I wrote scary stories in my year five. Mm -hmm. And um, my children who are more confident writers wrote some beautifully long, elegant sentences, multiple clauses. That does not fit in a scary story. In a scary yeah. story, you want short, sharp, punchy sentences. And it's the same with vocabulary, really. You know, it's saying, oh, we mustn't use the word big. Well, actually, if you're writing an informative piece for a younger audience, you should use the word big because actually they're not going to understand enormous and you want to get the point across. You don't want, you know, if you're writing a recipe for someone, for them to have to get a thesaurus out or a dictionary to find out what's going on, you know. Something and, and, simpler is better. And, and this is the thing, is that you, you see these sentences, and I, I'm sure I, this is something that used to really annoy me as an English teacher, is you'd see these sentences where some, some child had obviously been through that process where they said, right, we're going to add adjectives today. Yeah. And they'd written their whole descriptive story where literally every noun had three or four adjectives that went with yeah. it. And that was their descriptive piece. And that's not that's not control of language. That is somebody who's yeah. followed a very straightforward yeah. process, a bit, a bit like in maths, where you learn a single uh, process, but you don't understand yeah. why. It's, it's knowing yeah. the rules, knowing why they work, but knowing them so that at some point you can break them. Yeah. To make, you know, for, to yeah. suit the purpose that you're writing for, isn't it? And uh, Deborah Myhill and, and Ruth Newman, who are very prolific researchers into grammar, um, sort of they looked at the type of activities in England that teachers are teaching. Um, yeah. Because, of course, in England, it's very, very prescriptive. And what they found is, particularly in grammar, is that teachers are generally doing very low level, simple activities. And, and there were no higher order thinking skills. You know, ask that question, why? Let's put a sentence yeah. on the board. You know, yeah. one of my favorite things to do is put a sentence on the board and go, right, why have I used that word? Let's change it to something better. Why is that better? Oh, no, you disagree. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Yeah. This is an yeah. opinion. Yeah. You know, me as a teacher, I can't tell you that that word is better. It's not my piece of writing. Just yeah. because a word is more unfamiliar doesn't mean yeah. it's better. Um, but we need to have those sort of open-ended activities of, of, you know, generating sentences and justifying why have you selected that so that they have that, as you said, that control over the language, isn't it?
Yeah, and I think that that fits with the research on learning more generally as well, because if you think about how learning happens, you've got that that need for the um, kind of structural process driven kind of you do it in this way and you get this result. But you've also got that kind of let's play with it and let's explore the boundaries of this concept, the innovative side of things. It's, it's effectively it's like, you know, direct instruction versus discovery learning. It's not an either yeah. or. You do actually need both in order to reach that point where you understand why you're making this decision mm -hmm. and when it does break the rules, why you're breaking the rules. Yeah. You know, because there's I, you look at, you know, all of the, the great um, authors and uh, writers out there, they will start sentences mm -hmm. if they feel it's appropriate with and. Yeah, <laughs> we need to stop this narrative. You can't start a sentence then. You know, we need to teach the children about demarcation, absolutely. Yeah. But I, and, and knowing when you should start a sentence with and, that's really important, yeah. you know. I, I wouldn't start a sentence with and in a formal letter, for example. But yeah. in a story or, an, or a diary, yes, start a sentence with and. There's no problem with it. And we've got to be very careful about the rules of grammar yes. because it's, yeah. not, it's not mathematics, it's not right and yeah. wrong, and grammar is constantly changing. Well, fluid. Language is fluid. I have this uh, conversation with my sons who are in their 20s now and it's uh, common. Oh, mom, shut up. <laughs> Constantly talking about things like, you know, the difference between controversy and controversy. You know, if we if language didn't change, we'd all still be using Shakespearean language and Shakespearean structures yeah. and Shakespearean uh, vocabulary. But it's this idea of the process of understanding, A, that language is fluid, but also be that it's about a question of conventions and appropriateness it's yeah. not necessarily that well there is a way that you do this in this context and that's it it's mm -hmm. is this appropriate or is this inappropriate just to give you an example of what i mean in a former role i was on an interview panel for a, um, a teacher uh, coming into a professional role and the teacher used dialect grammar as part of this interview and he was interviewing for a literacy role where he would be in very formal situations and mm. I, my my understanding of that was you know uh, yeah okay he's using the the grammar of where he came from which was uh, Liverpool but the fact is if he was using it in a, a formal situation did he really understand that there was a difference between the grammar that's appropriate for a formal situation and the grammar yeah. that's appropriate for an informal situation. We didn't give him the job because, you know, if you yeah. understand that, then he, he, you know, applying for a literacy role was a little bit concerning. But it's appropriateness is really important, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and we need to encourage that with, with Welsh. You know, we have some brilliant phrases in Welsh. One of my favourite words used is lush. I love the word lush, you know, and let's use it. You know, why I'll do that in a minute, minute now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not being funny. Yeah. I love that when you know I'm not gonna let, because it actually means something completely different yeah isn't it it's great and let's let's encourage the children to use these but know when to use them yeah. again you know if they're doing an informal letter or a blog or a diary let's let them use those terms and actually encourage them to use those let's bring out that Welshness but as you said then knowing right when do we have to use the more formal language um it's it is about that I think when we teach formal and informal 
I think majority just don't tend to think of the Welshness of it. And so let's bring that Welshness out and those regional dialects. Why not? You know, because we have some brilliant words. Um, so yeah, I'm, but lush. I'm going to try and get lush in as much as I can now. But it's, <laughs> just going back, I'm just thinking now, is it, is it Irving Welsh when he wrote Trainspotting? That was all yeah. in the Scottish yeah. dialect, wasn't yeah. it? Which is quite hard to read, yeah. if you know, in Scotland, because my husband's Scottish as well, so I can yeah. pick up quite a few things. But it was appropriate for that yeah. book, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that it's really uh, important that we actually have that discussion about the different types of language, the different registers of language, mm. the, mm. the different um, contexts in which they are appropriate or not appropriate. Because if we're not having that um, discussion, we're not thinking about um, upskilling pupils to be able to make really well-informed decisions and that's what this is all about is is making sure that pupils understand language well enough to be able to control it absolutely yeah it's that reasoning isn't it it's that make and that being able to say why and that starts right from early years in a way because it's about that speech you know I would not advocate early years writing you know <laughs> sentences and things like that but actually talking about them in early years with different language uh, and something that in our school we did in our training was talking about subject verb agreement it makes me laugh because subject verb agreement has been on modeling sheet and um, uh, leveling sheets for years since I started teaching and actually so few teachers really know what it means yes. <laughs> and I laugh at it and they always I'll highlight just put it. my just... hand up there I'm not quite sure what you mean there by you that. so you'll, so have, what, to, you'll have to tell us now it's, it's the one where you highlight you go yeah they got that I'm sure they got that um but yeah no you know the, the subject is sort of the star of the sentence generally it's a noun you know who is this sent or what is this sentence is about and the verb is the one that matches that and do, does the the verb match that so if I'm talking about for example I walked you know, is that the right one or is it I walk, you know, I saw, I seen is a very common one, especially where I teach the children say I seen, yeah, yeah. you know, the verb doesn't match the subject. Um, and that's so important that we model to the children. Um, so one thing we do is we've got a um, massive list of subjects and verbs and it's a quick warm up in early years. They do it every day for a few minutes. Um, and, you know, the reception teacher was chatting to the other day um, was telling me how much they enjoyed it. And they were just they were chanting it back and forth just for a couple of minutes. And actually she was saying how much she'd learned yeah. about it. So, you know, it's about how, what we model. And this is the because there are some things that have been there since the, the worst the year dot and there are some yeah. you know as a as a secondary English teacher pupils do in their writing and you just go oh god this again but mm. uh, subject um, verb agreement is is one of those things that used to drive me insane you know yeah. it's, it's, um, like we seen or, or, or mm. those kinds of things but other issues that come up that I think if we could get sorted for pupils if they could just get it and know things like pupils writing how they speak mm. you know and, yeah. and and knowing that because it, it's almost like teaching them a second language isn't it yeah it is uh, and something that I do quite often is writing two sentences on the board or put two sentences on a presentation and ask them to discuss the two what are the differences between the two what can you spot between two let's have a conversation not saying as closed as which one is speech which one's written just literally two sentences going tell me about these two sentences mm -hmm. and get them to draw that because then that gets them thinking about it and hopefully then they'll start developing that in their own work um this is a comparison that's a really important point i think is something that we should stop and just kind of talk about for a second because um when we were talking about this uh, podcast before we actually did it we had a little chat with you before yeah. we always do before we do a podcast 
we were talking about, well, you, you asked the question, well, where would teachers go to to get some help with mm. grammar? And that one of the things that is different about this subject than quite a lot of um, subjects that teachers are asked to um, explore, teach, talk about, is that we all have this incredibly deep knowledge of English grammar. Mm already yeah. and I think that's what a lot of people forget is that we all know for example and I picked out this example because I just it's just really nice easy simple one the idea of adjective order mm. everybody knows the right order to put adjectives in in English yeah. but you wouldn't be able to necessarily don't know why because we had why. this conversation at lunch yeah. it's just the way it is yeah you know it sounds right yes. or it sounds wrong but I couldn't tell you why it's right or why yeah, it's wrong. I mean would you say the big the beautiful big round bowl or would you say the round beautiful big bowl yeah. you know one of them feels right and one of them doesn't mm. feel right but there is a there's a, a convention that actually um that we all have assimilated as very young children that we all know and recognize but can't really talk about you know, they just, if you read a sentence and it's not in the right order, it's, it's, you just go, oh, that's, that's not yeah. right. That's not yeah. right. And, and it's, we don't have the vocabulary to talk about it very often. That's that's where it comes from very often. They, they're not able to say, oh, well, the adjective should come for the noun. You know, they don't have that language. And so we've got to do that. And we've got to model that. And, yeah. you know, I one thing that I wouldn't be expecting to see in early years is children defining any of these things. But it's fine for a teacher to be talking about, oh, well, look at this adjective red, you know, let can we change it. Can we think of a different one for that? There's no reason why you can't start front loading this vocabulary right from the beginning of school, because what we want is these terms to become so normal to them yeah. that they can talk about those things and they yeah. can talk about why sentences work and how they're structured. And we don't end up with a situation where you've got teenagers talking about verbs as doing words. Because oh, yeah. That, well, with, with, that's just inaccurate for a training word. So we've had some teachers calling them, describing I know, them as doing I know. words. So yeah, just just, know. just to kind of knock that one on the head for everybody listening. <laughs> you can have the verb to be. That's not yeah. something you do. It is a state of being. So yeah, verbs are not doing words. But like, oh, well, a class is like I am Ian, isn't it? You know, yes, there's yeah. no doing word in that. You know, but am is the verb, and I love showing that to the children. One because they love seeing your first name on the board. Yeah. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but also then they see straight away. They look for this doing word and they can't find it. And it's something that we need to tackle very early on, because if they get up to key stage two with this misconception, it is very, very what difficult to break. Five yeah. or adulthood. Uh, that's it. You know, and it is really tough to break. And, and that's the problem. We're getting these teenagers with these misconceptions. So so grammar is a passport to confident, uh, competent, articulate, well written adults you know that that's why we're talking about this we're not talking about it from the perspective of everybody needs to know and be able to identify French to verbial it's about everybody needs to have the right amount of control over their own language and to be empowered yeah. by that because language I mean this is something I'm super passionate about but language is power mm, it is it's also not being frightened of it either because you know I'm not a particular fan of writing mm. lots of stuff because I don't really understand all the complexities mm. of, of writing give me numbers and I'll do them all day mm. but I think it's having that confidence to be able yeah. to tackle it isn't it 
that's it and playing around with it and not worrying and I think something that I realized very early on when I started the grammar work was actually saying to the children do you know what I'm learning too you know Uh, and saying that this is a complex thing let's be honest with them about it if we tell them it's straightforward and it's not they straight away lose that trust in you let's be honest about it that it is a complex thing but let's have fun with it and let's enjoy it you know that's and it is a new element of curriculum for Wales something that we haven't really focused on before this whole idea of language and identity because Mm -hmm. language it isn't just about power it is about who you are and it signals your it, it signals more than I've chosen to use this word for a particular reason it's it's about who you are as a person, where you've come from, what you know, what you don't know. You know, there is such a thing, we, we talked about dialect, but there is such a thing called idiolect, which is your own personal individual way of speaking and constructing sentences and the phrases and things that you say that is part of you as a person. And if we are going to develop children's understanding of who they are as, per, as people, then they need that understanding of the, how they use language. And that is actually that it is okay to have your own peculiar way of saying, I mean, for an example, just to give you an idea, what do you call the remote control in your house? What do you call it, Ian? Uh, it depends. Control. If it's with my son, remote control, if I'm with yeah. my friends, the doobry. The doobry, what do you call it? The remote. Oh, I call it the clicker. (laughs) The clicker. (laughs) The clicky. clicky. Yeah, so, you know, little things like that. We don't realise how individual, but also how language is is part of us as human beings. It's not it's not just a school subject it is actually for life that we need to have that kind of understanding of what it means to people. So do you think um Ian in your um position that that using the correct terminology for grammar is something that we should start right at the beginning and actually develop throughout the school career or is it something that can be introduced halfway through I think that it's a balance what I don't want to see is children chanting the definition for an adjective there's no benefit to that at all um, but there is no reason why we can't front load where the teacher is just dropping in these names of these terms, as long as it's not getting in the way of the learning. And that's really important. Let's not get in the way of the creativity or the fun of literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it is, you know, the children It's about talking about sentences and the children being able to use these terms just to make the conversation about grammar easier. I think that's the thing, you know, them being able to, if I say to the children, right, can we think of a more appropriate verb for this yeah. um, sentence that they know that. Precise, they do find it very difficult. It is, it is precise. Um, but it's not over. what I don't want to do, you know, in England is incredibly prescriptive and incredibly advanced. Um, you know, we don't need to go that far down because I feel that that removes the joy out of literacy. And we want these children to love writing. So I think it's a balance. We want, we want to introduce them and we want to use them, but let's not kill the subject. Yeah, so we don't want them to be technicians. We want no, absolutely them to be not. passionate advocates for. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, that, and you know, part of the process. So um, just, just going back to um, some of the common problems in with communication and what's going wrong is um, that we see pupils, I, I saw pupils coming through and I can remember um, back when I first started teaching year 11 pupils, um, you know, whole essays without a full stop. Yeah. And uh, grammar isn't just how the, the word order, is it? 
there's no. far more to it that grammar you know is punctuation part of grammar or is it kind of a partner or I, I would say I would say it's part of it you know um just because they're intrinsically linked you know um one of the I think one of the main issues with the example you gave is I see it again and again is um activities where the children put a capital letter at the beginning of a sentence and a full stop at the end and it's one sentence per line and when I remember seeing this in a lesson and I said to the teacher what are you teaching the children she went oh that a capital letter go uh, full stop goes to the end of a sentence I said no you're not I said look again and she went oh that full stop goes to the end of the line I said there you go I said how can we solve this simply and she came up with the idea she said oh well I could put two sentences right next to each other and they've got to find where to put the full stop great simple solution but then what we've got to do right from the word go you know in year one when they're starting to write these sentences what are we actually teaching them and are we giving them misconceptions and this is the issue with full stops very often is we're teaching them misconceptions and, and this is the issue with actually identifying the learning mm. because that wasn't uh, the, the the teacher didn't know what what the issue um you know what she was teaching she knew what she was teaching she just yeah. whether the task was actually teaching that or not and it's yeah. thinking about the learning objective and thinking about okay, what tasks do I need in order to make sure that that learning objective is actually being taught? And that, that's, so it's, it's, it's more a kind of um, looking at it with slightly new eyes, isn't it? But it's, it's also yeah. enabling pupils to know that, that they need to be able to transfer that into other contexts. Because I know from putting my examiner's hat on, the number of GCSE papers I've marked, where you know we're looking at the quality of written communication and you know they're losing marks because they're not writing full sentences mm. capital letters and full stops at, at age 16. So. Yeah that, that's really interesting that we should talk about that because I know that we have we have both marked maths papers mm. and we've both marked uh, reading papers as well and so often with papers that are not English exams mm. it's they've got two marks of the quality of written communication and actually what you see in exams like physics and geography and uh, science, you know, where it's more about um, proving their understanding of something is, you know, that they've got the understanding and the teacher can see it in the answer. But because when you just read the words on the page, it's not the answer they intended. It's actually that they're not even able to use the language to communicate, communicate their understanding. So, you know, it's yeah. such a big problem that the, the control of language is not just for English lessons. Yeah, and I think that's it comes on to the point of whose responsibility is it to teach grammar? And the answer is everyone's. You know, a science teacher needs to teach that. Uh, you know, it needs to be everywhere. Um, you know, and particularly in primary where you have the same class all day. Are we talking about the grammar in the geography lessons, in the science? You know, are we talking about these things? Um, I'm very lucky. My, um, I have, my PPA teacher does my science and she, she's incredibly talented and she does grammar through science. And, and the difference has been incredible with their science writing because they don't see them as now two separate entities. Yeah. They see that the quality of writing is really important. So it's actually, I know there's been a tradition of the years as you teach the skills in the language lesson, then you do them in topic. And actually we can teach them through topic as well. Let's teach them to then tackle those misconceptions everywhere. Yeah, and it's, it is empowering children um, as they become adults to communicate effectively in the context that that communication needs to happen, whether it is a science yeah. exam and, and writing in the, in a, as a scientist. Just, I was just thinking about when you were talking then, uh, my husband and I um, are re-watching The Wire, which is, um, like, I don't know if you've seen it, it's the Baltimore. So it's all American accents and, and the 
Um, the characters are talking about drug deals and all this kind of business, but the language is really poetic and very expressive. Mm. And it's and totally appropriate. You know, if you had somebody walk in from the outside into that situation who couldn't use that language, they, they, they'd probably be at risk of death, <laughs> you know, be shot yeah. one of them. But it's thinking about, you know, in all situations, we want adults who can bend their use of language to succeed in the context that they're in. And that means not just job interviews, but also fitting in with people when you're in work mm. to have that kind of chameleon nature where, right, there's all these different languages out there that all have um, equal status because they're all useful in some context. Mm. So dialect and slang is really useful if you're trying to fit in with a new social crowd. But I recognize that standard English received pronunciation is super useful if I'm going for a job interview. It's not just about training children out of um, bad habits. It's yeah. about recognizing that there are um, equal status, but different uses for all of these languages that yeah. they have. I and mean, we want to encourage that individuality, you know, we should be very proud. We talked a bit earlier to me about the Welsh phrases, you know, because our phrases are lush. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know we want to encourage that but as you said yeah it's the balance between them yeah so we, we're not going prescriptive here except for what the yeah. best way is to teach grammar so in your research you had five recommendations from your research and I think these are really useful for teachers can we just go through each of those five and just talk about you know why you felt that they were important yeah, so the way my research worked was I collated research from, I read 150 journal articles altogether that mentioned wow. grammar. It was a very long summer. Okay, uh, so, <laughs> um, and I uh, sort of took uh, sections out of them and these trends emerged and, and I had no idea what my recommendations were going to be going in. So it was really fascinating to see these trends come out. So the first recommendation was to that we should teach grammar explicitly um, to raise standards in grammar. Um, and overall writing, because the research, the modern research is unanimous, pretty much, in that if we teach it explicitly, that it will raise standards in, in uh, writing. And can we just say that in Curriculum for Wales, whilst grammar is mentioned, mm. we don't have an expectation that teachers will explicitly teach grammar. There's no expectation no. of that. So it's up to them to choose to do it. It is, absolutely. And I was in a way disappointed with that. I think it was a missed opportunity personally. I can see why they didn't. I, I, you know, I know that the, um, I was a pioneer myself on the science and technology AULE. Um, I know we didn't want to go down the prescriptive route, um, but I feel that it could have been in there more because it is such a building block. So we need to get that message out there that grammar is really important uh, for overall writing. So when we're talking about the best bets from research for making a difference in the area of written mm. communication, but also oral communication is teaching it explicitly. We know from yeah. research that it is a best bet for in, uh, improving pupils communication. So absolutely. what about our next, the next recommendation? And this is where we've got to be careful recommendation one, because it has been taught explicitly in the past and it failed where what it needs to be. And the second recommendation is it's taught in context. So the children really, before they start learning, say for instance, you're going to teach relative clauses, they need to see those relative clauses, you know, that front loading weeks and weeks before. I want them to see relative clauses in and out, in and out, in and out, without even knowing that they're seeing them. Mm -hmm. So that when we actually explicitly talk about them, 
oh, I've seen loads of those in our writing. And, you know, and if you're doing a model piece of writing, for example, that is flooded with those relative clauses um, so that they actually understand them. And when you're doing the writing activities, something I always say to my staff when they're doing their grammar lessons is, can they use all the sentences they've written? Could they use them in their final piece of writing? Because if they can, they've done half the work already because they've sort of practiced. And when they're doing their writing, they can just pull on that work and do those sentences. But that in context is very important. It shouldn't be a, it can be a lesson on its own, but yeah. it shouldn't be a standalone lesson. It should be part of that journey. Yeah. So it is not just the theoretical understanding of what that structure is. It's the ability to use it as well. Yeah. And, and what does it look like? Yeah. Yeah, what's it going to look like in my piece of writing? I think that's a really important point you mentioned there as well, is exposing, exposing pupils to that type of grammar before mm. you actually formally teach it. I think it's really key. Yeah, and this is where we have got to be careful with um, sort of downloaded, modelled examples, um, because sometimes those ones aren't present and it might be you've just got to tweak them. So I think we do have to be careful of that. And I'm not saying that downloadable resources haven't got their place. They have. But sometimes, you know, we do need to make our own or we need to adjust or tweak uh, yeah. the ones we find. Yeah. And we're coming back again to what is the learning? If the learning mm. is that you want people to understand how to use a relative clause, we need real examples of relative clauses rather than just the one yeah. for that. Yes. lesson. There, yeah. there needs to be yeah modelling in your own speech and in your own yeah. life so on if you're enjoying listening to this podcast you may want to know about impact plus if you go to www.impact.wales you will find all of our resources professional learning packs professional learning films digital workbooks link to all of our podcasts yeah, absolutely uh, we've got all of our um, sketch notes on there as well and this is professional learning that makes sense so it's research informed, it's practical, it helps you and your staff make sense of uh, whatever it is that you're improving. We've got a really wide range of subjects, topics, content for you to look at, haven't you? What kinds of things have we got? Well, we've got professional learning packs on things like oracy, a retrieval practice, the science, science of learning. learning. <laughs> Bit of an echo there, Finn. Uh, but lots of things that, you know, you might want to be developing in your school. So if you're interested in finding out more, log on to our website. And as Jane said, that's www.impact.wales and click Impact Plus. OK, our, our number three. Um, so this came uh, from some research I found from Australia and England, um, both a very prescriptive grammar um, curricula. Um, and what was found actually since um, the SPAG test had been introduced um, and the test in Australia have been introduced, that standards in the tests of grammar have gone up, but the standards in overall writing of grammar have gone down. And it's, uh, you know, the, the message is clear from talking to teachers is that because you're teaching to the test, it's not in context, it's not meaningful, they're not going to use it outside of the tests. So what we need to do, the third recommendation is to design a curriculum where uh, the, the grammar supports the writing, not tests. That's what we want to do. We want to raise standards in writing, not raise standards in tests. Yeah, and you know, I, I need to say this now before I forget it, because um, it is thinking about what is it that would really support teachers to um, start to teach grammar in their class and I think it's mm -hmm. not about 
going and getting a grammar book or finding a list of all of the grammar terminology or no. any of those kinds of things. It's actually going into what's the writing like in your school and mm -hmm. what do you see that shouldn't be there or that's mm -hmm. being um, that's being used inappropriately yeah. again and again and again and deciding and digging down from your own innate understanding of languages. Why is that a problem? What do we need to change about that? And actually identifying that, you know, if you fixed the, the key thing, which might be run on sentences or it might be um, subject verb agreement or it might be, you know, any other of the issues, you don't necessarily at that point need to know how to describe it yourself, but you need to know what the problem is so that you can yeah. think about how you're going to fix it. And that is all about what's going on in your school, in your writing. Yeah, it's that assessment for learning, isn't it? It's, it's that, that, that real assessment that's got that, that purpose, as you said, in your classroom with those individual children. Yeah. And um, it's really important. Okay, number four. Um, so this is, uh, when I started the grammar work in my own school, it's interesting um, that straight away I identified that actually we need to raise the level of teachers' um, knowledge of grammar. Um, so there's quite a lot of research uh, done by... Um, Mary Jurison, who found that teachers' grammar across English-speaking countries is lower than what they're expected to teach. And, you know, and that, you know, I've heard it over the years, people saying to stay one lesson ahead of the children. That doesn't work with grammar because it's too complex for that. Um, so what we did in our school, we had six um, inset days, um, where or six twilight, sorry, where we did three of them. Literally, I just taught them about grammar, yeah. you know? what sentences are, what adjectives are, what's a relative clause, what's a compound sentence, before we didn't discuss learning at all. So the fourth recommendation is before you start that, um, any sort of changes, actually we need to raise the level of grammar knowledge because we are in a situation where most teachers weren't taught grammar effectively in school. Um, so that, that is essential before you start. And that needs to be professional learning. It can't just be yeah. teachers going and, and downloading something yeah. off the internet and no. going, oh, look, there's all the terminology, now I know it. Yeah. It actually has to be opportunities for teachers to really understand why that is a particular example mm. and why that isn't and how that, how that might look if you changed it in this way. It's proper learning, just like you would do with children, isn't it? Well, it's teachers. That's it, yeah. Yeah, and I use a lot of the activities with the staff that I used with the children because at the end of the day, if it's effective learning, it's effective learning for everyone. Uh, and we had a great time. We had loads of it, ripping up pieces of paper, ripping up sentences, all sorts of things, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and it was really effective and it's some of the most positive feedback I've had from any training I've ever done. Yeah. Um, you know, when, and I've been doing a lot, I've done a lot of training over, over my career, but staff just could see straight away how useful it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that teacher's knowledge is, is vital that we raise that. And if they have that knowledge, then they're going to be so much more comfortable and confident actually starting the process themselves with their yeah. children. Because if they if they feel at all, um, you know, trepidatious, that's maybe that's not a word, but worried about. <laughs> Um, teaching it then you know it's they're not going to have that enthusiasm that's needed to actually start asking questions and being vulnerable in saying well let's explore that you know it's very mm. difficult to say let's explore that if you're not confident yourself so yeah. your final recommendation and this really is bringing everything together it's about um, raising the understanding of pedagogy with grammar and teachers uh, and what is interesting about this is that the pedagogy of teaching grammar is no different than the pedagogy of teaching anything else. 
Yeah. But we are in this situation where a lot of grammar teaching is through textbooks and through closed sheets, you know, uh, where we've moved away from that in the rest of the curriculum. So let's make sure we do that. So um, the way that I tackled this in school was I gave sort of uh, about 10 different activities on a table to a group of teachers and said, right, you tell me which are effective and which aren't and why. And there was some amazing professional learning discussions going on. And very quickly they saw that, oh, actually, you know, closed worksheets are not the way to go. Let's open it up, let's have fun, let's um, change sentences, have strips of paper, post it to my best friend. You know, I use post-its left, right and centre, you know, on my board, let's put a different word on top of that one. You know, oh no, I don't like that word, take it off. Yeah, you know, many, using... many whiteboards the word yeah. just as well, don't they? Really That's well. it. Um, I remember the first time I said to my uh, the children in my class that, yeah, we're going to rip a bit of paper and write and then you're going to stick them in their books. And some of the horror on their faces go, what, we're going to put ripped pieces of paper? I said, yes, of course we are. And now they absolutely love it. And they, you know, I see them going back to these activities. But just talking about that pedagogy of grammar and seeing that good teaching and learning is good teaching and learning irrespective of context. It's a phrase my previous head teacher used to use all the time. And it's so true. Um, it is absolutely the same. You know, we've moved in in mathematics so far away from worksheets mm-hmm. uh, and grammar teaching needs to be exactly the same. Because we're heading for deep conceptual understanding. Mm. Yeah. So a single worksheet at the end of a half term on full steps and capital letters is not cutting it. You need to go no. back to it and say, what's the purpose of a full stop? Why absolutely. is it OK here and not OK there? And so on. OK, um, so- yeah. Yeah, so what we did in our school was we developed sort of a list of um, values for our grammar teaching, and it was really interesting. One of the things that just came out that is, uh, as you were just saying, doing a worksheet quickly, if they haven't got it, you shouldn't be moving on. You know, less, you know, we've got children learning about complex sentences and they can't put a full stop in front after a simple sentence. So let's slow that learning down as well and not race through it, because that's good teaching and learning again. What you know determines what you learn, also, Val. So, you know, it is Absolutely. a hierarchical, sequential development of understanding based on where they currently are. That's where you need to start. Well, Ian, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about Hopefully one of my. It's been lush. Oh, it has been it's lush. It's been lush. It has been lush. <laughs> to talk about, I mean, one of my favorite subjects, language. Oh, gosh, it's just so powerful. So thank you so much. And I think that we we will probably come back to this at a later date because there's more to talk about with this, isn't yeah, there? there is. Because yeah. it, thank you so much for having me. It's been, uh, it's been I love geeking out about grammar. So it's been great. There you are then. OK, well, we will hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you. Yes, lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes. You can find us online at www.impact.wales. You can also follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Impact Wales. On Facebook and Instagram, search for Impact Wales. And on LinkedIn, search for Impact School Improvement.